You're listening to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com. What's going on, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Heller, coming at you with the first off-season episode in a while. Um, obviously, we we got to do off-season episodes for like 10 months because, uh, you know, we started this podcast last October and and uh, didn't get baseball until July. But now we're back in that, that off-season time and, you know, it's usually a pretty exciting time, at, you know, during the next couple months into the winter meetings. Um, but, uh, you know, the season ended last night. The, the Dodgers won their first World Series title in 32 years after making the playoffs each of the last, like, eight seasons. Um, so, it was, yeah, pretty exciting season. Um, everything went relatively smoothly, I think. And, and now it? it's back. Well, yeah, I mean – Tough, tough look last night with Justin Turner testing positive for the coronavirus and then returning to the field after the game. But uh, started off on a strong note with the Phillies and Marlins situation <laughs> ended on another strong note. Just MLB. They really, really did all they could throughout the whole season to make it as safe as possible. Yeah, I, I, it was uh, not a not a good look. Left, I think left a sour taste in, in people's mouths from. What was like, you know, at that point they had the things things going very smoothly. So, um, anyways, we're gonna focus on Philly stuff. So, um, you know, the biggest free agent for the Phillies, uh, they're coming off of their contract with the Phillies this year is JT Romuto. Um, but another position player who was a, a pretty big contributor to the lineup this this season was Didi Gregorius. Now, um, last week on um, Moose and Maggie on, on W fan Gregorius said that if the Phillies want him back, he would, he would love to come back to, to Philadelphia. So, um, my first question Ty, is, do you, do you see Gregorius coming back to, to the Phillies? I think it's a, maybe, I, I don't think it's anywhere close to being a lock or anything like that. I think there is a chance that he's back, but the Phillies have kind of made it seem like they aren't going to spend a ton this offseason. And if they bring back JT Real Muto, I would say it's probably a lock that Gregorius will be somewhere else. We'll have to see how it plays out, see what the market's like for any player. So I, I don't think it's out of the question that he would be back, but I don't think it's super likely, to be honest. Yeah, and I, I kind of agree. I mean... Um... With with real Muto, especially if they resign real Muto, I mean, I don't see them bringing back Gregorius. He's probably the top shortstop available in free agency now. The the Phillies do have to make a decision within the next five days on offering the qualifying offer and team options. And for for Gregorius, it would be was it eighteen point nine million dollar qualifying offer. Do you think there's any shot they offer that to him? I think there is. And but I also think that he might accept it. So that might if they if they offer it, I think it's them wanting him to decline it so that they could get that draft pick. So if they feel like he might take it, I don't think they want him back at that number if they really want to stay under the luxury tax threshold there. So if if they feel like he would probably agree to the qualifying offer, I think there's a good chance that they don't even offer it. But if they think he really is going to go hunt um, 
a longer deal, a multi-year deal, and he would decline that even if he would be taking lower AAV in a different deal. I think that uh, then they might offer it if if they think he would would decline it. But I I just don't see them wanting to bring him back at at that eighteen nineteen million dollar number. Yeah, for sure. You know they they made that. I don't know mistake if mistake is the right word, but I think when they offered Jeremy Hellickson the qualifying offer in 2017, I think I think people expected him to decline it. People thought he might be looking for a bigger deal, and then he just accepted it. Um, and, and like you said, they they don't have a ton of room below the luxury tax, and John Middleton has shown um, hasn't really shown any willingness to go over at at, at this stage. Um, so. I think they have roughly $60 million in room. If you almost give almost 20 of that to Gregorius, it kind of limits what else you can do um, with, with a team that has a lot of holes. Um, so let's say either they offer offer him the qualifying offer and he declines or, or they don't offer it. What kind of shorter, you know, maybe two or three year deal do you think he would be looking for? Or do you think he's looking for even longer than that, you know, four or five, five years on a lower AAV? I think he'd probably weigh all of, you know, any type of, of deal there, see what he can get, just because the, there's a lot of uncertainty about what free agents are going to get uh, during this offseason. But I think he'd probably, um, probably be in the, in the range for something like a four-year deal around, around 14, around what he got this year, I would say. I think he'd probably be worth that, and uh, a couple teams would be willing to offer him that. Yeah, I agree. That that sounds about right for um, you know a, a player of his stature. Um, and I don't I don't know if the Phillies would be in there. They might. Um, you know, there's a big shortstop free agent class next year that we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode, and um, that might impact their decision making there. But um, yeah, I I do know this though, and and we'll we'll move on um, a little bit here. There isn't really any free agent available that is gonna be as good as Gregorius at the plate, at least. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about a couple guys you think the Phillies might have in mind if they if they decide that um, Gregorius is gonna price himself out of their desired range? Do you think Simeon? There's any chance that he goes for a deal like what Gregorius got this past season. He was really good in 2019 and then 2020 at a down year. I I think he I think he's definitely a better player than when than his performance in 2020. Maybe he isn't um that re- that great all-around player like he showed in 2019. But I think he could be something a little bit closer to that. So I think there is a chance he tries to rebuild his value, especially considering that teams might not be willing to spend this off season. And if the Phillies are looking for a stopgap kind of player at that position, I think Simeon could be, I think he could be a good candidate to come to Philadelphia this year on something similar to what Gregorius got. I agree. Um, I I don't um, I don't think he. I, I agree that he's a, a good hitter, but he hasn't shown. Um, he doesn't have a, as as lengthy of a track record of being a good hitter as Gregorius does. So he would definitely 
or most likely be a step down um, from Grigori's production, but uh, he's a star in the field. Like he's really, really become one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball after the first couple of years of, of his career, he was kind of horrendous out there. Um, so I agree. And, and he might be looking for that one year prove it deal, unless maybe uh, there's a team that's sold enough on, on his 2019 that they're willing to give him um, multiple years and, and maybe the Phillies would be that team. I don't know. Uh, a couple other guys who are available. Um, there's no one that sticks out as much as Simeon. Anderson Simmons, uh, one of the best defensive players of all time. Yeah. Probably. He's awesome to watch play defense. Just watching uh, him when he was in the NL East, getting to, getting to see him a lot with the Braves. That's just a, an incredible player to watch. I, I know he hasn't really been as good of a, a hitter over the course of his career outside of a couple seasons here and there but like you said one of, he's legitimately one of the best defensive baseball players of all time and he might be he might get in the hall of fame just on that alone and having having him on the Phillies getting to watch that I think I think Phillies fans would like that I don't know if it makes the most sense but it's an interesting player yeah and I think I don't, I don't know how how like heavily team like a team like the Phillies would consider this but you know, Alec Bohm, if, if he's going to be at third base, um, he's obviously not going to be super rangy or, or sure-handed. Having a guy next to him who is, like, again, one of the greatest defensive players of all time, that could help a little bit. And I also think, um, in general, we don't talk, we don't care enough about defense when we evaluate players. And, like, you see, like, a team like the Rays and, and how um, – you know, in the, in the playoffs this year, so much of them, so much of them being able to make the World Series was just having guys out there that consistently make ridiculous plays. And uh, defense really matters. And the Phillies have not had good defense in recent memory. Um, just think just, of all the all the outfield plays even throughout this playoffs and in the World Series. Like that changes that changes <laughs> the court that changes the course of of a game and of a season having plus fielders. Now I don't think fielding is as important as hitting. I, oh, I, just, I agree. I, I, I think offense is clearly the, the most important, but the Phillies have had some rough defenders at multiple positions over the past few years. So it would be, it would be a bit of a, a change of pace to get somebody in there to kind of anchor your infield defense. Yeah. Um, do you think there's any shot at the uh, the Freddie Galvis return to Philadelphia this offseason? You say that with a little bit of a laugh, but I don't think it's out of the question completely. I think it could happen. Be a good story. Yeah, and yeah, he's like he's a better hitter. He's been a better hitter the past couple of years than he was in, in Philadelphia. Um, he has some pop, like some some real pop for a for a shortstop, and he's gonna have a, an on base percentage around or under 300 and, and he's probably going to hit ninth for you but I, I, I don't know it, it'd be really cheap it'd, it'd allow them to do a lot of other stuff elsewhere so um, I wouldn't be surprised the last thing uh, Bryson Stott uh, he spent this this year with he was drafted in 2019 spent this year with um, the, the the satellite um, camp the alternate alternate site um, do you think he could be a candidate to, to play shortstop at some point in 2021 for the Phillies? I think so. I, 
all, all things I've heard was that he hit really well at the alternate site and that, that he was playing really well, playing up with, you know, that was closer to uh, AAA talent than, than what he would have been facing in a regular minor league season. Obviously, uh, I think for most prospects, he would have preferred to have a regular minor league season, but, but Stott really did do well from, from everything that I've seen and heard. And he, he was a college, college draft pick. He was drafted out of, out of UNLV and he's a little bit, a little bit older than um, some people might realize. And I think he's getting, getting closer to being ready to make that impact at the major league level pretty soon. I, maybe not to start 2021, but I think by mid 2021, there's a more than good chance that, that he would be ready to get called up. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Alec Bohm was drafted in 2018 and um, he was, he made his debut last year. So it would, it would obviously Bohm was a third overall pick and, and Stott was a mid first round pick, but it's, it's the same thing. You know, you draft a, a polished college hitter and you expect him to um, be ready in a couple seasons. And we don't like, if there were minor league games this year, we might know, we might have a better idea like, Oh, wow. You know, Bryson Stott had a really good year in double A, like, because if that happened, we would, we would kind of be talking about him more than, than people are right now as a candidate um, for next year uh, to, to play shortstop. Um, but we don't really know. Um, like you said, you, you've heard um, that he's, he's hitting well, or he was hitting well at the alternate site. And that's, um, that's obviously good news for, for the Phillies. Um, do you think that itself could impact how they treat the shortstop market in general? Do you think maybe they're just, they're only going to look for a one-year deal um, on a shortstop or, or do you think they're still going to be open to, to something longer? I think that if they found the right deal, they would, they would sign a shortstop if they, they found somebody they really liked because I think Stock could move to second base, move to third base. And if the DH is uh, there to stay, they can move things around a little bit because you have some players uh, like Segura and Kingery that can move around to different spots. They're not, they're not stuck in, in one position. So I, I think that if they found a shortstop they really liked on a on a longer year deal, whether that's this off season or next off season, I think they would, they would make that deal if, if they liked it enough. But I, I do think that they like Stott and think he can play shortstop and that the bat's going to be there as well. We'll just have to see how it plays out to see if they find that, that kind of deal or a player that they would really want to invest in over the person they drafted in the first round, just, last year yeah uh, i i agree um so another consideration the phillies might have uh when dealing with free agency shortstops this year is um the shortstop class of 2021 and 22 which is um probably one of the most ridiculous like positional free agent classes we've ever seen um maybe one of the most ridiculous in free or in, in major league baseball history so um five shortstops who are set to be free agents. And uh, following the 2021 season, Francisco Lindor, Corey Seager, um, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, and Javier Baez. Um, so those are five really, really good players. And they're all, I mean, I think the youngest will be Correa, will be 27, unless I'm mistaken. 
Um, but they're all in that in that age range, I think, from between like 27 and, and 29 or 30. So they're all relatively young. Um, do you have any thoughts, uh, guys, you think are the best out of that class um, or, or anything? Correa will be 27. Uh, Lindor is probably the best player in that class. I would I, I think I would rank them on kind of a, a tier based thing where I'd put Lindor at the top and then the next three, I think Seeger, Correa, and Story are all kind of similar in that same tier. I mean, you have to see what happens. Coors Field always plays a role, uh, but I, I still think Story will be able to hit basically anywhere he goes. And then Baez has kind of tailed off a little bit. He he was like a legitimate MVP candidate just a couple of years ago, but it doesn't feel like he is quite as good as those other four guys, but he just has, he just has like a hole in his swing. Like I think he just strikes out way too much. He, he swings it. He swings it every Yeah, right. Exactly. But he's still a really good player and he can, he can play anywhere. He can play anywhere. Plays a good shortstop. Uh, like he's going to be an addition. And he's he's a really incredibly, good... incredibly fun. Like he's, he might be one of the more fun players of that. Group. I mean, they're all fun, really. Shortstop, shortstops who can rake are, are mostly fun, but Javier Baez has cool slides and tags and all that. So that's you don't get put on the cover of MLB the show for no reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, they're all they're all insanely good players. I do agree. Lindor, I I see him getting north of, of three hundred million dollars unless he because uh, he wasn't great this year. If he has a, a rough go at it in, in twenty twenty one, that might tank his value a little bit but I still think um you know if, if he plays up to his standards which is a five or six war season um he's he's getting 300 million dollars at least um yeah I think he probably gets more than what Harper got I I don't really have an idea for the other guys it's because Seager like he was hurt well, here here's the thing I think Correa could actually get the biggest deal if he has a good season next year he was insanely good in the playoffs. Well, so was Seager, obviously. But if Correa can hit like he did in these playoffs next year, and he's coming off a strong year, just because he is like a year or two younger than the rest of them, I think he, I think he could get a huge deal. See, I think so too. But I also, I don't know. Like, do you think the the scandal will tarnish his value at all? Like, I. Well, that's why he has to prove it next year, I guess. No, that's that's true. I they're all they're all gonna get a lot of money. Like I think all of them get nine digits, right? No one's getting less than a hundred million. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. They're all <laughs> they're all getting so much money. Um. So my my next question is: Do you think um, the Phillies could be in on them? Do you think they could be acting this offseason as if they're planning to target one of those guys next year? Um. Anything to that effect? I mean, they do. They do have money coming off the books this year and guys like Jake Arrieta and David Robertson. If they don't re-sign Real Muto and they go for mostly shorter term deals, maybe it could happen. I, I don't, as of now, I'm leaning towards no, that they wouldn't be in on them, but it's a maybe. 
Yeah, I agree. The the biggest contract I think coming off to next year will be McCutcheon. So they'll they'll definitely have some money there if they don't um, sign anyone to a big deal this year. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And I mean, it just doesn't he... seem like they're going. It just doesn't seem like they're super inclined to spend the money that they'll probably need to make this team as good right. as, as it'll need to be. It just right. doesn't doesn't feel like like that right now hasn't looked that way and and there's also like by within the next several months you know three of these guys could be signed to extensions well I don't see Lindor staying in Cleveland Lindor is not signing an extension and Correa is not signing an extension Um, maybe I could see Seager signing an extension you know coming off a championship uh, the Dodgers are have would have some motivation to keep him after he was basically their their postseason hero um, story. I don't know because like him and Arenado playing on the same fi- side of the infield is like absolutely ridiculous. But that team doesn't win at all, and I don't know like if they're going to move on and and Baez. Same thing with the Cubs. Really, it's it's the core is kind of uh, aging, and who knows what their plans will be. But yeah, I mean, we'll, we will certainly see. Um, and while on the topic of, of um, big contracts, uh, you know, one of the, the, the biggest storylines of, of the offseason prior to the 2019 season was who are the Phillies going to sign? Is it going to be Manny Machado or is it going to be Bryce Harper? And um, obviously the, the Phillies ended up waiting for Bryce Harper. The, the Padres signed, San Diego Padres signed Machado, I think, maybe two or three weeks before um, 10 years, 300 million. And uh, Matt Klintek said that his contract exceeded their evaluations of him. And then they gave $330 million to Bryce Harper. And, you know, we're, we're two years into this, this, these deals and Tim Kelly of, of Phillies nation uh, wrote an article this week about, you know, where these guys stand um, two years into their contract. So, I'm going to ask you, Ty, who, who do you think has been better these, these first two years? Well, Tim kind of said this as well. Harper was, Harper was better last year, but Machado was probably better this year. And because this year was much shorter overall, just between all the games played, it's probably been, been Harper, but Machado went off this year. He was, People, people were ready to, to write him off. To, oh, he got his money and he checked out. And people were saying that before he even signed because he, what? Cause he hit a, he hit a ball to the wall and he didn't run it out. And people were ready to say that. The world, the world turned on Manny Machado after the playoffs with the Dodgers. They did. That was it for him. Yeah, um, that definitely, definitely happened. People just didn't want it enough nonsense. That that was basically what it came down to, and he was he was incredible this year. He's not the defender that he used to be, but that would would have been hard to keep up because he was when he first came up, he was like one of the best defenders um, of all time at third base, uh, shadowed pretty much only by Arenado, who is on a different level. So, yeah, he's just an incredible player, Harper. Harper felt like he was worse than he actually was this year just because he, he got banged up and he wasn't as good down the stretch. But overall, he had a really good year for the Phillies. Uh, and well, he was, Harper, he was like the best player in baseball for like 
three or four weeks and then he was the worst player in baseball for like three or four weeks it was pretty much what happened to Reese Hoskins um, to maybe an even more extreme extent um, and so yeah it definitely did feel like he didn't have a good season but he was he was still pretty good um, yeah he had an a higher OPS than Machado did yeah but Machado <laughs> Machado like I said his defense is is really good um, he was he was one of the Machado was one of the best position players in in baseball this season. Going forward, I don't think that either player you you can't go wrong with either of these guys. They're both Hall of Famers. Uh, I just don't know if I would if I if I had to choose be, between paying a little bit higher AAV to not have to pay the player until he's thirty nine <laughs> until they're thirty nine years old. I think I would probably probably side with Machado because of that. Um, but both are incredible players. Well, I think you also have to consider uh, that Machado has an opt-out in after the 2023 season. Now, who knows, like, because that'll be five years in, so we'll have five years, $150 million left on this contract. But, um, you know, that's kind of a risk, right, to have that contract. And, you know, maybe he, he leaves the Padres and goes elsewhere. He's place to even close to the level that he did this year um but I do agree with you I think uh because those the later years of the Harper contract could definitely get a little bit ugly and that doesn't mean it's a bad contract by any any stretch like it's a really good contract they got like you said probably a hall of fame player um and I mean that's the thing is they're, they're both just really good players and um I don't know. I, I definitely agree. Um, Machado with the, the shorter year, slightly higher AAV. Um, but uh, just our last little topic of the day. Um, so this is a, Tim Kelly of radio.com, same Tim Kelly, but different website, wrote an article this week on the top landing spots for Trevor Bauer and one of the teams he listed was the Phillies. Um, before we get into the details, do you envision the Phillies signing Trevor Bauer this offseason? I don't see it happening. We kind of touched on this the other episode. I don't see it happening. I don't think he would be the best fit. Um, he was really good this year. I mean, he would he would improve the rotation, but I, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't, they, they just signed Zach Wheeler. And I feel, not that the rotation is set right now, but like, I don't know, unless they, unless you know, John Middleton watched the Nationals in 2019 and decided like that's, that's what he wants to model his team after, have like two good hitters and then just like three workhorses and then sneak into the playoffs and just like ride those guys, like, it's worked, but I don't think it's the best recipe for success. Like, obviously, Trevor Bauer joining Nola and Wheeler at the top of the rotation would be, like, they would – what rotation is better than that in all of baseball? Maybe there's – I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. It's, I don't know. But that's also assuming that Trevor Bauer is going to be as good as he was. Right. This true. Year. He's, he was bad last year. Or, like, borderline bad. He wasn't, he wasn't great. No, he was bad. Well, he was he was fine with the Indians, and then he was bad with the Reds. He had an ERA over six when he got traded. Um, 
He's really had two good years out of, and he's been in the league since what, 2012? Yeah. Yeah. Around then. Um, so something I thought was interesting that Tim mentioned in his article is that John Harper of SNY uh, had a source tell him that he would get something similar to what Steven Strasburg got this year, which I don't know, like, am I alone in that being a little bit surprising? I just don't, the track record there, it doesn't make me feel like a guy who's going to get north of $200 million. Like, Zach Wheeler obviously never had a season, never won a Cy Young, but he got, he barely got over $100 million. Is is Bauer, who's like, he's, I, he's not unproven, but he, like you said, he had two really good years, and that's not, much and both, like, both were not like full 33 start seasons either right right i mean do you do you think a team will give bauer that much money i don't think so and then you have to deal with trevor bauer for eight years <laughs> like i don't i don't see it happening he's not as proven he's said that he doesn't want to be with the team for that long he only wants to sign one-year deals uh he has Cause some problems. You do remember that perhaps Cleveland wins a World Series if he does not uh, cut his finger open. Fly a drone. If he does not slice his finger open flying a drone. Wait uh, for the offseason to fly a drone. That's all you have to do. And you can win a championship. Just wait like two weeks. And then, you know, you also have to put up with just him on Twitter. And I, I don't, I don't see it to be honest. I know those things. Uh, I know, I, I know that teams, if a player is good enough, are willing to put up with some antics, but I don't know if he is quite that good to be how he is, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, if a, if a team deems him worthy of, like, a ridiculous contract, then they would be fine with the antics, you know? it's Like, I, I do think if, it, if teams buy what he's done in 2018 and, and this season, that, like, they don't care, you know? Um because they're just going to pay him a ton of money and, and hope he's good. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's getting that much. I just, I, I just don't think the Phillies are going to be in on a starting pitcher when they're losing their two of their, what, five best hitters, you know? I, um, he would probably make out better if he would, I think a team would probably give him a really big one-year contract, to be honest just to see if he can recreate it. And then uh, I think he would end up getting more money if he went for a one-year deal here. Yeah. Dodgers give him like $45 million. Yeah, no, but yeah, that's kind of um, the route that, that might be taken. Obviously he's talked about taking one-year deals and, and maybe that'll happen, but um, yeah, that'll actually do it for this episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Should be an eventful uh, week with with um, some decisions on um, qualifying offer and, and picking up contracts and, and all that. So we'll be back next week with another episode to, to you know, do some more preview of a free agency. Um, talk to you then. You can listen to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller every Wednesday on philliesnation.com and all streaming services.